You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The White House today said that Joe Biden had a skin lesion removed, a carcinoma, a cancer. Uh, no further treatment is required. It's done. No big deal. Did we get the whole story? I don't know. He's addicted to lying, a chronic liar. The whole White House, everybody, everybody in the swamp. Is this the whole truth? I, I doubt it. Of course I doubt it. I mean, <laughs> when have we been leveled with by this guy? Um, was he leveling with us when he told us he had cancer? Late last year, he came out and said he has cancer. Not this easily removed type, but something far more serious, it seemed. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening? It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. Now, was he just saying something he didn't want to say that was true, or was he exaggerating, as he often does, plea for sympathy? Who knows? Look, I hope Joe lives to be 110, and he dies in prison. Oh, <laughs> getting ahead of myself. Listen, I just, I'm not worried about his cancer. I want him to be healthy. I am worried about the cancer infecting America, the one that he is committed to doing nothing about, will not condemn. He allows it to flourish. He is a champion of this stuff, of this monstrosity, of transgender drag, whatever you want to call it, hanging around with kids. This is a thing that is taking off. It is spreading like wildfire, and he won't do anything about it. Also, our border. This obviously is deliberate, all right? He wants the, uh, the votes, and uh, he's doing this for the globalists who want the cheap labor. Is there any other explanation for keeping it this wide open? Now, there's something that we can't forget about Joe. In fact, I think we need to make it a major moment in his presidency and in the history of this country. Earlier this week, we heard from the mother of these two boys, Kyler and Caleb. Kyler was 18. Caleb was 20. They died in July of 2020 from a fentanyl overdose, a fentanyl poisoning. And this is ravaging America. We know that. So this week, their mother... Mrs. Rebecca Kiesling went to Washington, D.C. to ask the government, the government to do more. She said out loud, this is not political. This is not partisan. This is a problem. It is getting worse. We need to stop. Who could take issue with that? Who? Joe Biden. His disgraceful conduct after this woman asked for help. What did they do? What did the staff do? They checked it out. Hmm. These boys died in July of 2020. I wasn't president. I can blame Trump. And that's what he did. 
and he seemed amused by the whole thing. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> It's incredible. There were some gasps in the room. They couldn't believe that he said that, that he would quibble about such a thing. And it's not his problem if it happened. I mean, it's just disgusting. We all know that. And that little chuckle at the end. But what is even almost just as outrageous, the complete obliviousness to this sin in our media. Nobody cares. Nobody's talking about it, right? This guy attacks this woman's integrity, tries to minimize, make it a political thing. Well, who remembers the cons? The cons. They spoke at the 2016 Democrat National Convention. Now, their son was a hero who died in Iraq. And citizens can have opinions about politics and speak out, and, uh, and they did. We'll get to what Mr. Khan said in a moment. Donald Trump said something about this episode because everybody was asking him. This is what they accused Donald Trump of doing. Donald Trump decides to wage war against a gold star family. Then he goes and trashes a gold star family. That's not comporting with nationalism. He's go gone after gold star family, gold star parents while auditioning to be commander in chief. No one knew a presidential candidate would attack a gold star family as Donald Trump did last week. You heard that, right? I mean, there was outrage. This went on for about 10 days, right in the heart of the campaign. Some people thought that's going to take him out. He's gone too far because he attacked a gold star family, the family of someone who lost a hero in war. Well, what did Donald Trump actually say about the cons? This is this is it. He doesn't know that. I saw him. He was, uh, you know, very emotional and probably looked like uh, a nice guy to me. His wife, uh, if you look at his wife, she was standing there. She had nothing to say. She probably, maybe she wasn't allowed to have anything to say. You tell me, but plenty of people have written that. Uh, she, uh, she was extremely quiet and it looked like she had nothing to say. A lot of people have said that. Uh, and personally, uh, I watched him. I wish him the best of luck, George. Wow. Where is the attack? He was emotional. He's a nice guy. Um, I wish him the best. The wife was quiet. And you know what? I remember where I was when I was watching this. And that was what I was thinking. Um, why is the wife not saying anything? It was kind of conspicuous. She's on stage. She didn't say anything. That's not criticism. It's just everybody noticed it. Mr. Khan, he has the right to say whatever he wants. He lost his son in the rack. He laid it on pretty hard on Donald Trump. I mean, this was uh, this was not nice. He's no no fan of Trump's. Donald Trump, you're asking Americans to trust you with their future. Let me ask you, have you even read the United States Constitution? I will. I will gladly lend you my copy. All right. Again, he has the right, and I think he has even greater latitude because he lost his son. He was an Army captain, I believe, who died in Iraq, was killed. And uh, let's face it, it's a little bit demeaning for Donald Trump. Oh, you, you haven't even read the Constitution. You want to be president? It was a criticism, and you're allowed to do that. 
this was one of the pivotal moments of the 2016 campaign. This would be the end. Now, it wasn't, but they sure tried to make it. Now, Mrs. Kiesling, who's advocating for, for her right now? Uh, basically, uh, a couple of media personalities uh, who are conservative, and, and that's it. Nobody knows her name. Everybody was talking about the cons, huh? She wants the border closed. Is that a political thing? Is that a partisan thing? So remember what Joe said, and remember how they say he's Mr. Empathy, the consoler-in-chief, right? A leader? Does a leader say, it wasn't my fault? Those kids? No, they don't say this. They don't talk like this. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last. They don't laugh like that either. Uh, we wrote this down, okay? This should be uh, a defining moment of his presidency. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> all right? Not his problem. He doesn't care. What was that chuckle all about? I'd like to know more. I think this man should be pummeled with questions everywhere he goes. This should be, he can't get away from this. This is worse than what they lied about. Donald Trump, Charlottesville, this is bad, very bad. But Joe gets a pass. That's the way it works. No matter what he says, it will be ignored or explained away or forgiven immediately before it becomes big news. He should have dropped out of the campaign for the presidency in 2020 when he demeaned one of the most prominent black men in America, Charlemagne, the DJ, the radio personality, who's supposed to vote a certain way because he's black, according to Joe Biden. And I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Wow. This is the essence of racism. It is. That's it right there. We wrote that one down, too. OK, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. Um, this should have brought on his immediate withdrawal from the campaign. It barely made the news. The whole system is covering for him. The whole white supremacy system. This is something else we've got to get to. Uh, Joe and Democrats and the media constantly denigrating this country. That's not what a leader is supposed to do either. But it's very fashionable right now, isn't it? We've seen with horrifying clarity the cost of systemic racism. We have a system that is built on systemic racism, and we have to dismantle that system piece by piece. Racism is systemic. It is structural. It is pervasive. Racism in America is endemic. It is foundational. America has a long history of systemic racism. The battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism in this country. So Joe was talking about the military today and all this uh, military talk at the White House. It got me thinking about my own service in the military. And I don't like to think that I tried to defend a racist country. I don't think I was uh, working for a military that was defending South Africa. It's America. It's a good place. But that's not what the left thinks, and that's not what Joe signed up for when he agreed to this whole plot to make him president. Um, he uh, awarded the Medal of Honor today to a, a deserving veteran. Paris Davis is his name, and um, he's in his 80s now. This happens sometimes. The, the, the award takes decades, actually, to be finally awarded, and he was 
Well, an amazing soldier uh, took out a lot of the enemy and saved a lot of our guys over there. And Joe spoke about him and took the opportunity to badmouth America quite a bit, quite a bit about how systemically racist we are and how the military was not perfect when Paris Davis was a member. And then I thought, I've seen Trump award the Medal of Honor as well. I thought about the time he did it uh, for a, a, an officer named John Canley. Now, I'm sorry, an enlisted man named John Canley also served in Vietnam and took out a lot of the enemy and saved a lot of our guys. You look at these ceremonies side by side. Joe Biden today, uh, Donald Trump back in 2018, very similar occasions, awarding the Medal of Honor to two Vietnam veterans. But they told very different stories about America. First, Joe's. Paris saw constant reminders that too many, too many, he was less than an American. And that in the eyes of the law, he was less than a person. Signs on bars that read whites only. Seats on buses where were off limits for African-Americans. Schools, streets, shops divided by segregation. But the Green Berets, like our country then, weren't free from discrimination either. People pull Paris aside to warn him, are you sure you want to join? There aren't a lot of people like you who look like you in this outfit. At the time Captain Davis returned from war, the country was still battling segregation. Returned from Vietnam, Vietnam to experience some of his fellow soldiers crossing the other side of the street when they saw him in America. And although the men who were with him in that June day immediately nominated Captain Davis to receive the Medal of Honor, somehow the paper, the paperwork was never processed. Not just once, but twice. Welcome to the military. <laughs> it's the bureaucracy. It's a swamp. It takes a million years to get anything done. Oh, it was racism, right, Joe? The fellow soldiers, you're accusing his fellow soldiers of racism. The Green Berets, they walked away. They turned their back on them. Segregation, racism, discrimination. America has its problems. America had its problems. This reminds me, though, of a, imagine a, a 50th wedding anniversary and the best man at the wedding 50 years ago gets up and makes a toast and, and says, remember that time you were told to sleep on the couch because of that horrible fight you had that night. This is not what a leader should be doing. And by the way, lots of black Medal of Honor recipients in our country's history. 90 African-Americans, and it goes way, way back. Now, there probably should have been more, but here are some. In the Civil War, yes. In the Spanish-American War, how about that? Um, World War I, and so on and so on. So Donald Trump awarded the Medal of Honor to a Marine who richly deserved it, uh, Sergeant Canley. The ceremony there celebrated America and celebrated Sergeant Canley. Didn't dwell on the, on the lows, but on the highs and on his quality. It was beautiful. John's fellow Marines have described him as a Marine warrior, and I can see it who is bigger than life and beyond the reach of death. He is truly larger than life. John, it is because of your extraordinary personality and being and whatever it takes that really do something very special for our country. America is the greatest force for peace, justice, and freedom. 
the world has ever known because of you and people like you. There are very few. There are very few. Brave people, but very, very few like you, John. Let's see them side by side. So who's more presidential, huh? It's not even close. Not even close. All right, stay with us. I may have been wrong about this Murdoch trial. It was, uh, there's more to it than I thought. I've actually gotten into the documentary, and uh, it's pretty wild. Mr. Murtoff is going away for the rest of his life, but uh, there are some things to say about all of this. We'll be right back. All right, so you know by now, Alex Murtoff, guilty. He's going to jail for the rest of his life, and... I was very dismissive of this whole thing. I didn't find it interesting. I didn't know who this guy was. So after it's all over, last night, I actually watched the Netflix special that everybody's been talking about, and uh, it kind of sucked me in. Now I see why why the case was so compelling for so many people. But before we get to the Netflix documentary, let's go to the highlights from today. There he is in his prison garb. And he finds out his fate, and the judge has a few things to say, and, and so does he. I'm innocent. I would never hurt my wife, Maggie, and I would never hurt my son, Paul. And it might not have been you. It, it might have been uh, the monster you become when you uh, take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Maybe you become another person. In the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch, I sentence you for the term of the rest of your natural life for the murder of Paul Murdoch, whom you probably love so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him for the rest of your natural life. Wow. All right. So did you notice anything about Murtoff himself uh, today? And actually, I do remember watching the trial. There's something very odd about him, obviously, and his body language. Uh, We'll have a body language expert uh, in a couple of minutes. But I think I figured out a big component of this case. Didn't hear too much about it. Um, Alcohol. Alcohol. And the documentary actually mentioned this family, I mean, this whole community, they were drinking all the time. Whenever I came around the Murdochs, like, it was so, it was very normal for them to be drinking and just have a lot of alcohol, like, always stocked in the house. Um, but just for, like, Paul and I, being the age that we were, like, they were okay with us drinking and they would always get us alcoholic, and that's when I really started to drink. Yeah, I don't understand this kind of drinking. Never did, although I did actually have a problem with drinking at one point, developed it later in life, and kicked it, kicked it, grace of God, six years now. Uh, But alcohol, I do believe, leads to a lot of problems. It's uh, it's very much encouraged by our culture. I think we need to take a look at that. You know, opioids are everywhere. It's the kind of a gradual progression. Is alcohol a gateway drug? I don't know. I think it's in our face a little bit too much. You can see it 
obviously at a football game or those kinds of commercials. Do you know they sneak it in all over the place? That's the presidential debate stage. Now, I figured that that was somehow the American Eagle. No, it's actually not. It's the Anheuser-Busch logo. You know that? It was snuck in there. The Anheuser-Busch St. Louis logo. You know why? Because Anheuser-Busch was a major sponsor of the Presidential Commission on Debates. Huh? That's a beer logo right in the middle of the debate. I got to tell you, I think it's uh, bad for all of us. All this alcohol, all these drugs, obviously. Is it time for another temperance movement? Maybe, you know? Every kid, this is like a rite of passage. You're supposed to do it in college. If you don't do it, you're kind of weird, right? No, it shouldn't be that way. It'll take a lot to get something like that going, but maybe we should try. All right, I got to talk about this. Eric Adams is the narcissist mayor of New York City. Everything, everything comes from God. It's, it's everything is up to him. There is free will. He works in mysterious ways, but... I don't like how he put this. I strongly believe in all my heart. God said, I'm going to take the most broken person. And I'm going to elevate him to the place of being the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. Well, everything is ultimately up to God. But God does work in mysterious ways in his plan because uh, this Broken man, he calls himself. No, he's just a career politician. That's just a, this is just a play for sympathy or um, the most powerful city in the world. No longer. It is a broken city. This hubris I saw. Take a look at this. He could have made me the mayor of Topeka, Kansas. He could have made me the mayor of some small town or village somewhere. He stated that I'm going to take this broken child, this individual who is the epitome of the mistakes a human being can make in a lifetime, and I'm going to elevate him to the most important city in the country. I find that arrogant. I don't find that um, a story about God. I see it as a story about him somehow, because I know this guy, and he's corrupt, and he's terrible. He didn't even live in New York when he was elected mayor. And he's a racist. So, yeah, I guess you could say very, very broken, but he's still all of those things. What is God's plan? You know, there couldn't be Trump without Obama. And I've thought about taking this guy on. Maybe that's part of God's plan. Maybe I'm going to run for mayor against him. And he shouldn't be talking about Topeka, Kansas that way. Topeka, Kansas. I've been to Topeka, Kansas. It's a great time. Here's what the mayor of Topeka, Kansas had to say. He could make his points without trying to diminish our great city, and I wish he would. As Topeka's mayor and as a lifelong member of this community, I am so proud of who we are and what we stand for. Next, please. One of the best lessons I've learned in my tenure as mayor is the value of humility. I'd invite the mayor of New York to get to know our beautiful city and its people before casting judgment on a community he seems to know little about. Good for you, Mayor. Good for you. Good for Topeka, Kansas. Um, this man is, um, yes, I know everything happens for a reason. I still haven't figured this out. You think God approves of this kind of showing off? If you want to acknowledge or not, I have been doing a darn good job. Every- 
every day in the police department. I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. I don't know if you saw the picture, but for the first time in my life, I looked cool, hanging out with all of them. I'm a black man, that's the mayor. All that's fine, but there's only thing you need to understand, I'm the mayor. When a mayor has swagger, the city has swagger. I'm the pilot. Pray for me, because got, I got the landings. And that's it. He doesn't have anything else. No administrative skill, not much in the way of political skill, just the nice suits and the, hey, I'm the mayor. Uh, We're in trouble. And I just might. I just might make that move. We'll see. All right. I got to talk about this. Affirmative action uh, appointments are killing this country. This is the guy who's just been nominated to head up the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. The man knows nothing about aviation. It is embarrassing. We shouldn't do this for those who fly and and for this guy himself. He shouldn't have to go through this stuff. You're supposed to know something about planes when you're head of the aviation department, right? He doesn't. So, Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So um, that's a that's a pretty important part. So what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, Sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. So what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med? Senator, I'm not a pilot, so... uh, But obviously you'd ever see the Federal Aviation Administration. So um, any any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions, I think, would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be... It's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds okay. in different categories, and uh, what ele- what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under. So, and, uh, and then uh, amount of knots, it's under 250 knots. So okay. it's not having, having anything to do with blood pressure. All right. Federal Aviation Administration. Uh, some of those questions were pretty tough. I'm a commercial pilot. I did, but most of them he really should have known for that kind of job. Good for Senator Bud. Uh, excellent. And most of the questions actually are pretty easy. Uh, this is what happens when you go woke, when you go, uh, it's all about what you look like. It happened to a, a nominee for the federal judiciary in Washington state. This lady, she would be the first black judge in eastern Washington. That's really kind of narrow casting, don't you think? Eastern Washington state. Okay. Uh, she doesn't seem to know much about the Constitution. Judge on the far end. Uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, in my 12 years as an assistant attorney general huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, we are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts okay. presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. Ooh. 
uh, and that I don't think has happened yet. Uh, the purposive approach is an approach to statutory and constitutional interpretation under which common law courts interpret an enactment within the context of the law's purpose. All right. I still don't know what it means, but, but I think a judge should know what that means. This is what happens when you go woke, when it's all about skin color, when it's all about gender and all that nonsense. When you go woke, as President Trump said, I think he said you get demented. Watch this. Wokeism makes you lose, ruins your mind, and ruins you as a person. You become warped. You become demented. <laughs> Totally right. And those we, we just saw an example of that. All right. Stay with us. We've got something about January 6th, which is pretty important. I haven't seen it before. Hey, guys, it's Carson. The Madness is upon us. Make your march a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Use the promo code Newsmax to receive a deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance to win big money. If you're the type of person who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at a life-changing amount of money. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Remember, visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Use the promo code Newsmax to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. This man is Christopher Ray, and he can't give a straight answer as to whether or not there were FBI agents inside the Capitol on January 6th. I knew there might have been cops in the crowd, but cops or agents dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol waiting for the crowd to arrive? Do you remember this? Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, gentlemen's time has expired. Oh, he's mad because I think he got caught. And you see, he got nervous and mad. His mouth started moving in a weird way. He started, he's mad because he just got busted. And I got a big clue this week. Uh, take a look at this. Some cops come, on, come upon people on January 6th. Watch what happens. Hey, guys. Can I stop for a sec? Yeah. You see this? You see these guys? It's during Trump's speech at the Ellipse. Now, they're police officers, all those guys in civilian attire. And don't they kind of look like they could have been, you know, in that big crowd, right? A little bit. I didn't know about this. Did you? It's all very, very suspicious. We don't know. We don't know 1% of what went down on January 6th. I'll be right back.
Well, there she is, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia. She infuriates the left, absolutely delights the right, including myself. I do consider myself on the right very much so, and a big fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's speaking there at CPAC just this morning. She joins us now, still at CPAC. And I put my cards on the table, of course. I am a fan. Anyway, welcome back. How are you, Congresswoman? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. I uh, just had a wonderful day at CPAC, and it was so awesome to see the energy in conservative Americans, young all the way to old, that are fired up about 2024. All right, great. Hey, by the way, I don't uh, officially, have you endorsed anyone? Are you for Donald Trump? Uh, are you waiting for DeSantis? Uh, what's the deal there? Oh, no, I was out in front. I think I was one of the first ones to endorse President Trump. Uh, for president in 2024. I'm all the way in. All right. So look, um, I do want to, I, I don't want to get a divorce. Uh, what, what's this all about? Could you, the tweet, you know, went viral and uh, you say, America, what do we got here? We need a national divorce and we need to separate by red states and blue states. Uh, you don't want us to break up, right? Was this just to get some sort of conversation going? What, what did you mean by this? What's going on? Well, thank you so much for asking me uh, about it. A lot of people have talked about my tweet and talked about what they think I mean, um, but I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about it. What I'm talking about is our policy difference on the left and the right couldn't be further apart. On the left, they want to abolish the police. On the right, we want to support, protect our police so that we can get rid of crime out of our city streets. On the left, they want to abort babies up until the day of birth. And on the right, we're the party of life that want to protect the unborn and, and protect mothers and bring kids into the world. On the left, this is the party that wants to, to change children's gender, even though you can't do that, but they want to basically mutilate their genitals and give them puberty blockers and, and life-altering treatments. And on the right, we're the party that want to protect kids. On the left, they're the party yeah. of wide open borders. On the right, we're the party of border security. And we couldn't be further apart. And you know what? So many people I know, everyone I talk to is sick and tired of the left's policies being shoved down our throat. Everything from what they want to do at the border to their woke ideology to ESG. Mm. And we're sick and tired of it. What I want to see is a much smaller federal government and stronger, stronger states so that we can have real safe spaces uh, from the radical left, Greg. All right. So you don't mean you want to break up America. We want a smaller. I mean, you can understand why people national divorce, it sounds like. And people have talked about it before. Secession. Uh, it was debated, I think, when they were drawing up the Constitution, but it's not in the Constitution as far as I know. I would hate to see that happen. So you want America yeah, to remain. I'm not talking about secession or civil war. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about preventing civil war. So you are so good at social media, you know how to get people talking. And I think it's effective. I think it's very effective. Hey, uh, actually, we have a portion of your speech from eh, let's hold that. Joe Biden was talking about you just the other night. Uh, let's take a look at that. A little bit of more Marjorie Taylor Greene and a few more, you're going to have a lot of Republicans running our way. <laughs> Isn't she amazing? <laughs> Oof. 
Well, you're on his radar. Uh, what did you make of those comments? And we'll get to the offensive stuff he said in a little bit. But first of all, well, we can do that now. Actually, take a look. This is what he said to that mother, Mrs. Kiesling, about the two sons she lost in July of 2020 to fentanyl poisoning. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> Um, it's kind of disgusting. Um, it's almost surreal, Congresswoman. Yeah, it absolutely is surreal that the president of the United States would mock a mother who had two children poisoned by fentanyl. It doesn't matter when her sons were poisoned by fentanyl. It's the fact that under Biden's uh, watch, under his administration, we've seen fentanyl poisonings double. It's the fact that in my state alone, it's over 230% increase since Biden took office. And in my district, it's over 300% increase since Biden took office. What he should be saying is that he's sorry to any parent that loses a child to fentanyl poisoning. And he should be, instead of making fun of me, he should be realizing that Republicans are not running to Joe Biden. Republicans agree with me because we're the party that want border security and we don't want anyone to lose their child to fentanyl poisoning, no matter what. So the, the president of the United States needs to get a clue and realize what the American people care about. Two quick things. Um, number one, 14,000 hours of security footage. I love Tucker Carlson, but I really don't think it should be all his. They should put that on a website right away for everybody. If you crowdsource that stuff in three hours, we'll have all the good stuff. You got a million people looking at it. It's better than Tucker's 20 talented producers. Can you help with that? Because it's outrageous, quite frankly. And number two, if you can talk about DirecTV, because we appreciate your support. First, uh, the Tucker situation, though. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I've been talking with the speaker's office about is that making the video footage available to everyone. I think it's you've talked about it a lot, Greg, and I really appreciate it. Um, Newsmax has done tremendous coverage on January 6th and everything after that. So I've, I'm in talks with the, with the speaker's office and they are working on a way to make that happen. And I think you should be able to show it on your show as well. Um, now, as far as Newsmax being uh, very unfairly treated uh, under a so-called contract dispute um, with DirecTV. I think it's completely wrong, and I think we know why Newsmax was singled out for a so-called contract dispute and kicked off is because you are conservative and you are sharing the views and policies of conservative Americans um, as well as the candidates that run for office in the Republican Party. I think Newsmax has a very important role. So does OAN. So does Fox News. But we know that the higher ups at AT&T, especially maybe someone on the board up there, um, really pushed down an effort to remove Newsmax um, and OAN earlier uh, last year. Um, this, will, this will not stop, Greg. And I think we know what the outcome could be. And that will, that will be that it will affect elections in the future when we don't have wonderful conservative voices like yours, like your network, um, being broadcasted into millions and millions of homes across America. We so appreciate it. We appreciate your support. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia. Uh, once again, good stuff. Thank you. And we'll be right back.
All right, so the Murtov trial is over, but people still find it fascinating that Netflix documentary is doing very well. And I noticed, I think, that there's something really off about, well, at least his body language and probably a lot more. Robin Dreek joins us, former FBI chief of counterintelligence behavioral analysis program, special agent, and also a Marine Corps veteran, five years active duty. Uh, sir, welcome to the show, and, and your podcast sounds great, uh, Forged by Trust. Number one, overall, did you notice anything uh, odd about Murtoff as you were watching him? Um, Greg, thanks for having me on. And just like you said, there's a lot of odd things. And it was from the beginning, but non-verbally, yes, there's a there's a lot of inconsistencies and incongruencies between what he was saying, what the body's doing. And it just anytime someone gives you that creepy feeling, it's because there's that incongruence between words and actions. And so, yeah, we saw it, too. Interestingly, though, he did a lot of that nodding, a lot of that bowing like this. It could also be a number of things. It could be a pacifying behavior from all the drugs he took. It could have been neurological damage, possibly. There's so many things that could go into play here. So one thing, though, he was saying he didn't do something, but I thought I could have swore I saw his head saying this, nodding yes. And here, take a look at this moment while he was uh, testifying in his own defense. Yep. Did you take this gun or any gun like it? and blow your son's brains out on June 7th or any day or any time? No, I did not. Right there. He, I, 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 I think I saw him nod his head yes. Isn't that a classic tell? It should be, no, I didn't do it, as opposed to, no, I didn't do it. It's, it's even hard to do. But he actually might have been thinking and agreeing with the prosecutor or the defense when he's saying these things. So, boy, it gets really splitting hairs on this one. It, that's why you got to look at the continuity of everything over a longer period of time as we're looking at him. He does that behavior a lot. He was staring ahead when the jury came in, and mm -hmm. he's just staring straight ahead. Not this moment uh, where he's sitting down. Yeah, here. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And he had no reaction, obviously, after the verdict, which I really can't understand that. I mean, what what do you make of the no reaction thing to the verdict? That to me was the most telling. And this was the entire courtroom. A lot of times when we can't figure out because we're looking for something, let's take a look at the opposite. What didn't we see? If we can't see something, what didn't we see? We didn't see a reaction. Here's a guy who's proclaiming that he misses his wife and how, how traumatic it was to lose his son. And yet he's just told he's lost the access to his son, his only surviving son for the rest of his life. No reaction. No reaction yeah. from the son. No reaction from the entire courtroom. Like, no one seems surprised by this. Well, maybe it looks like they came up with the right verdict. Forged by Trust podcast. I only got 10 seconds left. What's the essence of it? It is about the healthy behaviors we have in life to uncover from these great behavioral people about how do we forge trust and healthy relationships to forge forward in life. Forged by Trust podcast and check out peopleformula.com. Robin Dreek, we appreciate it very much. Thank you. And well, I appreciate right you, sir. Or the land of the free and the Thank you for supporting Newsmax in our 
fight for free speech and against censorship. You know what DirecTV did to us? They kicked us off 15 million TV sets, essentially, uh, by removing us from their digital lineup. You could help us, all right? You can call DirecTV, whether you're a customer or not, and tell them you don't like what they did, you support free speech, you're against censorship, or call Congress with the same message, or go to IWantNewsMax.com to sign our petition opposing censorship and in favor of free speech. And speaking of, you may want to check out my book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Uh, there is a lot of stuff in there that these days would be considered highly politically incorrect, but it's the truth. Thank you for your consideration.